Chapter Seventeen of the Mikado Jewel by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Berard. Chapter Seventeen. Trouble. Misfortunes rarely come singly. Theodore was so damaged by Basil that he was compelled to keep to his rooms and had his meals sent up to him. Apart from his physical pain, the schemer was very satisfied with the result of the comedy he had played in the smoking-room lurking unseen at the corner of the house he had beheld patricia in his brother's arms and could believe the evidence of his own eyes that the rubicon had been crossed nevertheless he felt a pang at losing the girl for apart from her psychic powers which would have been extremely useful to him in his studies she was so pretty and charming that a less susceptible man than dane would have regretted the success of another but theodore had by this time decided that he could not have his cake and eat it so it was necessary to lose either beckley or patricia it was characteristic of his greedy nature that he had sacrificed the girl for the estate no doubt mara's hint that she might go with akira to japan had urged him to the course he had adopted for with both his brother and his cousin out of the way dane did not see how he could lose beckley he was the only one save these two who had the colpster blood in his veins and even though his uncle disliked him he could scarcely pass him over with aching limbs theodore lay snug in bed building castles in the air next day he intended to arouse the old man's jealousy by telling him of the embrace of the kisses and of the probable engagement then the lovers would be turned out of the house later when akira came round in his yacht mara would go and he would be lord of all he surveyed no wonder theodore chuckled but then came the second misfortune and an even more unexpected one mr colpster was brought back from hendle with a broken leg he had duly driven akira and his servant to the railway station but had failed to find harry pentreddle at his lodgings rather annoyed the old man had left a note saying that the sailor was to come to beckley and stay the night so that he might repeat his story to the danes and then had turned homeward but on the winding road which led down to the hall the horse had slipped on the rain-soaked ground and mr colpster having foolishly tried to get out had been thrown over the high bank the coachman was uninjured although with the horse and vehicle he had rolled down the slope but the squire had been picked up insensible by some labourers who had seen the accident and had been carried into his own house with a broken leg much concerned basil and patricia had the squire put to bed and sent for a doctor mara in an indifferent way expressed her sorrow although she never offered to nurse her father instead of helping she went up to her cousin's room to tell him of the accident not finding him in the sitting-room she knocked at his bedroom door and stood amazed to find that he as she supposed had gone to rest are you ill theo she asked crossing to the bed theodore groaned i had a row with basil and he threw me out of the window mara clapped her hands and her eyes sparkled how strong he is she said which was not the sympathetic speech theodore desired to hear why did he fight you theo 
i asked patricia to marry me and basil cut up rough no wonder said mara disdainfully why any fool could have seen that basil is in love with patricia he won't let anyone come near her oh she clapped her hands again and laughed gaily <laughs> i should have liked to see you flying through the window little beast you are snarled theodore i'm all aches and pains and my eye is black where he struck me damn him would you like to see the doctor no it's not worth sending to hendle for the doctor besides he'd only chatter i know these local gossips but the doctor is coming here you had better let him examine you theo theodore from the shadow of the curtains stared at the delicate face of his cousin why is the doctor coming oh i quite forgot what i came up to tell you about said mara in a matter-of-fact tone father has broken his leg broken his leg with a groan of pain theodore hoisted himself on one elbow how did he do that the horse slipped coming down the winding road jarvis could not hold him up and they all fell over the bank father tried to get out and broke his leg but jarvis and the horse are all right ended mara cheerfully i don't believe you are sorry said theodore angered at her indifference i don't see what is the use of crying over spilt milk replied the girl calmly if i cried my eyes out and tore my hair it would do father no good you might at least pretend to be sorry for him growled dane sinking back well i am it's horrid to suffer pain i'll tell him i'm sorry if you tell him in that voice he'll box your ears said theodore grimly you don't display much sorrow for me young lady because i don't feel any said mara coolly you brought it on yourself for i told you that basil loved patricia besides i don't like you i'm not a japanese eh no you're not anything half so nice would you like basil to come and see you she added maliciously i'm afraid patricia can't as she's attending to father oh get out of the room and tell the cook to send up my dinner to me here as soon as she can when i'm up again i'll tell uncle george everything what do you mean i shall tell him that basil and that infernal girl are engaged and he'll give her notice to quit and i shall tell him that you intend to run away with that beastly little japanese oh i haven't made up my mind what to do said mara retreating to the door and if i decide to go with akira i shall do so in spite of father or anyone else but you won't tell theo you're only too glad for me to go you look like a great toad lying in bed theodore caught up one of his slippers will you clear out mum 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 jeered mara with an elfish laugh you can't do anything and even if i do go even if basil does marry patricia you won't get beckley mum 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 and she closed the door just in time to escape the slipper which theodore threw with all his strength the doctor duly arrived and put the squire's leg in splints the old man had recovered his senses and considering his pain behaved himself very well the doctor approved of his patient's fine constitution and cheerfully said that he would soon be on his legs again you're not dead yet sir he remarked when colpster had been made comfortable for the night 
i don't intend to die said the squire coolly quite other plans are in my mind but while i lie here i shan't have anything disturbed in my house patricia remember that should akira's yacht arrive you and mara and basil together with theodore and the servants can go to his entertainment oh we couldn't leave you like that mr colster said patricia quickly you can and you shall i hate a lot of fuss and then the doctor took patricia out of the room to explain that the patient must be kept very quiet else he would work himself into a fever humour him miss carroll humour him said the doctor as he took his leave to-morrow i shall come over and see him don't worry but patricia did worry not so much over the squire who was getting along fairly well considering his age as over the fracas with theodore she dreaded lest he might speak to the squire and then i should have to leave said patricia much distressed i don't see why dearest replied basil twining his brown fingers in her hair and wondering if god had ever created a more perfect woman the two were seated as usual in the smoking-room deeming that the safest place since the quarrel had carefully avoided entering it it was now three days since the accident and since basil had been driven to disclose his feelings they had the house to themselves almost entirely for mara rarely troubled them theodore although he had risen from his sick-bed with a more or less discoloured eye kept to his own rooms and did not even present himself at meals he cherished a deep anger against basil and was sullen with patricia as the original cause of his humiliation the elder dane had not a forgiving nature nor indeed did his brother feel inclined to welcome any advances he was too much disgusted with theodore to pardon him readily i don't see why dearest said basil again and slipped his arm round patricia's waist uncle george can't kill us he could turn me out of the house and i have nowhere to go there is no reason why he should turn you out he loves you like a daughter i'm certain of that patricia sighed you are wrong basil he loves me certainly but not like a daughter what basil scowled with a brow of thunder does he dare to he dares nothing interposed patricia hurriedly and placed her pink palm over his mouth to prevent further speech but i am certain that he wants to marry me at his age ridiculous why ridiculous older men than the squire have married basil's arm grew loose round her waist do you admire him then of course i both admire him and love him look how good he has been to me i hadn't a shilling when he took me from the home of art patricia do you mean to say she stopped him again and this time his mouth was closed with a kiss i mean to say that you are a dear old stupid thing darling i can't help myself if your uncle admires me it shows his good taste all the same i'm going to marry you my dear but we'll both be turned out of the house i'm sure of that basil hugged her again i knew you would never marry for money dearest he whispered and if we are turned out we can live on my pay i have to join the mediterranean fleet when my leave is up in a couple of months from now my ship will be always at malta always calling in there you know 
we'll get a tiny flat and you shall stay there when we're married oh darling that will be heaven it will be poverty said basil ruefully not what you're used to my dear she put her arm round his neck and looked into his hazel eyes what nonsense you talk since my father died i have been desperately hard up in every way and if your uncle had not taken pity upon me i really don't know what i should have done i can cook and sew and look after a house splendidly i'm just the wife for a hard-up sailor you are indeed said basil fervently and would have embraced her but that a knock came at the door oh hang it here's sims i must attend to my duties said patricia as sims entered it's the butcher of course go on sims i'm coming to the kitchen and sims discreetly departed with a knowing smile while patricia remained for a last kiss the beckley hall servants saw very plainly what was taking place and even although they were old and jealous retainers did not resent it basil was an immense favourite with one and all while patricia during the short time she had acted as housekeeper had captured all hearts with great ease in the days which followed patricia was kept closely in attendance on the squire since mara would do nothing and colpster objected to being attended to wholly by the servants she became rather pale and thin which only made her the more adorable in basil's eyes and unfortunately in the eyes of her patient also the squire had made up his mind to ask patricia to be his wife notwithstanding the difference in their ages since mara resolutely refused to marry either of her cousins colpster's pet scheme for the family to be re-established now that the emerald had returned fell to the ground failing this he wished to make miss carroll his wife and hoped that she would give him an heir in the direct line of descent the more he thought of the scheme the more he liked it as he was extremely fond of patricia notwithstanding he had been so rude to her on the night when the mikado jewel had arrived so mysteriously it never struck him that she might fall in love with a handsome young man like basil patricia saw how devoted the old man was becoming to her and at times she was quite embarrassed by the youthful fire of his eyes colpster was now getting well rapidly as it was a fortnight since the accident and the leg was mending he remained of course in bed and received various visits from the various members of his household theodore and mara did not pay many visits as the former knew that his uncle disliked him and the latter was entirely without affection the squire never did expect much from mara as he looked upon her as weak-minded she certainly was not but her father never took the trouble to see what qualities she possessed it was little wonder that mara did not give affection seeing that she never received any mr colpster worried a great deal over the continued absence of harry pentreddle and had frequently sent jarvis to handle to inform him that he was wanted at the hall but pentreddle had gone away from his lodgings without leaving any message behind and no one not even isa lee knew where he was to be found this absence and silence made the squire quite uneasy especially when he remembered that harry had seen the emerald he had stolen it before and as the squire without any grounds to go upon considered he might steal it again haunted by this thought colpster gave patricia the key of the safe and made her bring him the jewel 
he slept with it under his pillow and hugged it to his heart every day talking meanwhile about the good luck it would bring it has not brought any good luck yet mr colpster said patricia one evening after her love-making with basil in the smoking-room how do you mean my dear well in the first place you have broken your leg in the second you have lost that lawsuit which the squire groaningly interrupted her yes i have lost it worse luck my dear the land has gone and my income will be diminished to eight hundred yes i admit that bad luck and the weather is really terrible too he added looking at the streaming window-pane it so rarely rains here yet it has poured ever since my accident and before then patricia reminded him the rain by making the road slippery caused your accident if i were you mr colpster i would send back the jewel to japan with count akira he is quite right the good luck it brought to your family centuries ago has changed to bad how can you believe in such rubbish groaned the squire hugging his gem you believe in it said miss carroll wondering at his want of logic or you would let the mikado jewel go the luck will change now insisted colpster trying to persuade himself into a kindly belief everything will come right i hope so said patricia poking the bedroom fire before which she was kneeling you must write and tell me if it does the squire sat up in bed and gasped write and tell you yes i am going away nonsense why should you go away mr colpster said patricia who had brought the conversation round to this point that she might thoroughly explain herself you have been very good to me and i have been very happy here but your nephew theodore has been rude to me in fact he has insulted me so i cannot remain under the same roof with him what the squire's scanty hair bristled and he trembled with rage has that dog of a theodore been rude he shall leave my house at once no that would not be fair he is your nephew i shall go i shan't let you go child i love you too much to let you go how did he insult you what did he say tell me and i'll i'll rage choked his further utterance and he sank back on his pillows the nurse came forward and smoothed the bedclothes don't worry over the matter mr colpster it's not worth it it's worth everything when you want to leave how did theodore insult you patricia looked down and sketched out figures with the tip of her bronze shoe he is angry because i am engaged to basil colpster flung himself forward and caught her wrist his sunken eyes filled with angry fire you are not engaged to basil he said fiercely but i am leave go my wrist mr colpster or i shall go away at once he still held her tightly you shan't marry basil you shall marry me patricia was greatly indebted to the old man as she had admitted and was sorry for his misplaced passion but she was also a woman with a woman's feeling and did not intend to allow him to dictate to her with a dexterous twist she freed herself from his grip and retreated to a safe distance if you behave like this i shall leave the room and never enter it again she exclaimed angry at his want of self-control the threat brought the squire to his knees no no don't go 
he cried in piteous tones i can't live without you i wish to marry you see patricia dear i shall settle beckley on you and when the emerald brings back the good luck you shall the emerald will only bring bad luck said patricia interrupting coldly and if you had millions i would not marry you i love you as a daughter and i thought that you loved me in the same way basil and i are engaged and intend to get married in a few months he has no money wailed the squire clutching the sheets no money i don't care he is the man i love he has no right to ask you to marry him if he had not asked me mr colster i believe i should have asked him was the girl's quick answer can't you understand that he is the only man in the world for me if you don't then the sooner i leave this house the better you have no right to dictate to me and i won't allow it i'll cut basil out of my will i shall leave the property to theodore that is a matter for your own consideration said patricia coldly now it's time for your beef tea and i must go and get it i shan't take it cried the squire childishly mr colster for a man of your years you are very silly my years my years you reproach me with those i reproach you with nothing said miss carroll tired of the futile argument can't you see that if you go on like this i must leave no don't he implored with wild eyes i'll be good very well she said in a matter-of-fact tone now i shall get your beef tea and for that purpose she left the room left alone mr colster whimpered a little he was old he was sick and he was very sorry for himself he had sought to woo a girl who was young enough to be his daughter and his wooing had taken the fashion of trying to bribe her with house and land and money to this insult she had retorted by showing him the mother that is hidden in every woman married or unmarried he felt like a naughty boy who had been put in the corner and at his age he did not like the new experience he could have kicked himself for having gone on his knees to be whipped for that was what it amounted to in the darkness it was evening and there was no light in the big bedroom save that of the fire he flushed and burned with shame how indeed could she having found her maiden a young man of her own age beautiful and ardent as she was be expected to accept his philistine offer of beeves and land the squire with all his oddities was a gentleman and as he came from a brave race he was a man his age his fantasy about refounding the family his sickness had all landed him in the slough it behoved him if he wished ever again to look at his ancestors portraits in the face to get out of the quagmire and reassert his manhood as well as his good breeding patricia should marry basil and become his niece-in-law mara could be given an income to indulge in her fantasies and he could live at beckley with mr and mrs colpster which was to be the married name of the young couple in the middle of these visions patricia returned with the beef tea and a lamp the naughty boy came out of his corner to beg pardon my dear he said in an apologetic voice i'm an old fool oh no said patricia kindly you are just one who has cried for the moon i give the moon to basil said the squire holding out his hand and he will be my heir forgive me 
willingly said miss carroll and they shook hands gravely but i agree with you sighed colpster ending the scene the jewel has brought bad luck End of chapter seventeen